Good morning, First Church. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, we're excited to be here with you if we can't be there in person. Um, I know a lot of you have probably had a trying week this week as uh, the new restrictions were, were announced and trying to figure out what's, what's happening the next week, the next month, uh, the next year. Um, and I know there's a lot of disappointment um, in the new restrictions that came down. So, um, But we are also in the time of Advent as well. Uh, we've just entered that and Advent is about anticipation and hope and, and things to come and better things to come. Um, so I pray that during this time as you wrestle with both the, the disappointment and the hope that, uh, that you would still be able to worship with us. And um, we, we were made to worship our bodies and our minds and our, our voices were, were created so that we could worship God. And even, even if we don't feel like it, um, and sometimes that's all we can do um, in this time. So uh, please worship with us. God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time, of reference you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light and as you speak a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath the planets the stars were made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've made. Every burning star, a signal fire of praise. If creation sings your praises, so will I. You don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch a breath Evolving in pursuit of what you said If it all reveals your nature, so will I I can see your heart in everything you say Every painted sky, a canvas of your still obeys you, so will I. The stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. 
oceans roar, your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I.
come desire of nations bind all peoples in one heart and mind bid thou our sad division cease and be thyself our king of church well this is the first Sunday of Advent and for the next four Sundays we will be lighting candles on the Advent wreath and this is a preparation time for the coming of Jesus we celebrate his birthday on Christmas Day and so there's four candles on this wreath that represents hope love joy and peace and the white candle in the center is the christ candle which would be lit on christmas eve or christmas day and so today we will be lighting the hope candle
Welcome to the Advent season. Here at First NAS, we have opportunities for you to connect, grow, and serve. First up, we have our town hall meeting. This December 1st at 7 p.m., Pastor Brian is going to host an online town hall meeting. Now, if you've never been to one of these before, you need to register and attend. It's an opportunity to hear, talk, and connect with your pastor. Next up, we have the Christmas Eve service. Now, the Christmas Eve service, you need to notice, is at 4 p.m. You can watch the live stream or register to attend in person. Now, after that, Sundays at home. These are our feature Sundays for December 27th and January 3rd, where services will be live streamed only. It will only be online, so you don't want to come. You want to put your feet up and enjoy those mornings with your family and friends at home. Who knew what a tumultuous and heartbreaking year 2020 would be? As this year draws to a close, many of us just want relief. As the world seems to look more hopeless with each passing day, and we're not sure what 2021 will be looking like, Pastor Brian wants to remind us in his new Advent sermon series, Hope is Alive, that the world into which Christ was born was also engulfed in spiritual darkness and offered little hope of relief. And yet, for those who followed him, Jesus became the embodiment of hope. Well, that same hope is still alive today. This sermon series will stir new hope within each of us. We'll make room for Jesus in our lives, in our families, in our churches, and in our plans for the year to come. Now, children's ministry will continue to happen online. For the four weeks of Advent, we are joining with other churches across the world for GLOW, a journey through the Christmas story with your family. You can find a link to these lessons on the events page at firstnas.ca. Life groups, small groups, and the leadership network. These are all perfect ways for you to grow spiritually in the new year. Consider signing up and getting ready to jumpstart your 2021 by being a part of one of these communities. How are you planning to serve this Christmas season? With the new restrictions in place, many of our traditions around giving, serving, and loving others in this season have been interrupted. But this doesn't mean we can't be a generous church. Would you consider giving to your church so that we can serve others in this season and into the new year? So Judy, um, uh, last week uh, you and I met um, in your home um, at uh, Prince of Peace Village in North uh, East Calgary, and uh, we were just visiting, and you, in the course of the conversation, you shared a story, uh, something that happened uh, with you. Um, I think you were with a friend, and you were driving, and you were on 16th Avenue, like Trans-Canada Highway, uh, near Peter's Drive-In. Right. And uh, can you just tell us a little bit about like what was going on there and what happened? I I don't know. I'm I'm an interesting person because <laughs> I take pictures of things that people would never normally take pictures of and okay. and and see things. And I love people's eyes. They say oh. so much. But we were stand standing. We were in the car. I was in the car. And were you driving or the passenger? I was driving. You were driving. And I looked over, and right in that corner, there was a street person right. leaning up against the, the pole. Right. 
And I just looked at his eyes. Uh, now I'm going to cry. That's okay. You can cry. <laughs> he had the kindest, nicest eyes, but they were sad. Sorry. Mm. But they were sad. He had yeah. sad eyes. But I just, I thought, now there, there's a guy that's had a bad, mm. you know, like, he just didn't look like a normal, he, and he was a little bit older. Right. And so I thought, I should give him something, but I don't usually give money. I've right. done that, and that's not always the wise thing to do. Right. <laughs> but I looked down in my dash of my car, and I had an isogenics bar. Mm. which is a protein kind of bar thing. Right. And that's, I just reached down and got that bar, put my window down, and my friend's saying, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm saying, it's okay. Uh, you, you, you know, and I mean, this is all happening as, and it was a long turn thing. Okay. You know, we were there, I mean. So uh, you, did, you had to actually go out of your way? A little well, bit? No. Well, oh. I, was, I was waiting for the light to turn. Oh, I see. Okay, but right. we just got a stoplight and Oh, and so we there was waiting. an opportunity. So okay. there was opportunity. Right. So I just, I took that bar and I held it out the window to him uh -huh. and just smiled at him. And he jumped up so quickly and came and got that bar. And, and then he, the thing that struck me is the big part of this story yeah. is... He, when he went, to, he went to turn away and he reached into his pocket and I brought this just for show and tell. Okay, show us. And he reached into his pocket and he brought, this, it's a little piece of cut glass. It's a, is it a cut glass or broken glass? Well, broken glass, Okay, but that was his gift to and you? And he gave that to me. Wow. <laughs> I have this at home and I have it displayed at my kitchen window with wow. some other nice crystal things yeah. that would be more expensive mm. than this, but not more valuable. So, mm. and um, I just said to him, God bless you. Yeah. Um, the reason I wanted to do this is <clears throat> we're coming upon the season of Advent. Uh, Sunday, November 29th is the first um, Sunday of Advent, and we're encouraging our people to do a couple of things. One is to let us know of anybody that you know who, who is in need, whether it's financial need or if they're just lonely and need an uplift, you know, that we can do something, you know. Um, and so just to give us names of people that we know uh, in the church, outside of the church, whatever. But also to, to, um, to give uh, donations, uh, gift cards, money, whatever, to help us to help them. Mm -hmm. And we'll put that into our compassion fund. And, um, and then we'll use it to bless people this Christmas. But one of the things is, it, it doesn't have to be a program. And what was beautiful about your story was you had no intention when you were driving down the road of doing what happened. This was a God mm -hmm. moment, right? It this was. A divine appointment. Wonderful. This was great. And be kind everybody and uh let's show kindness to strangers and don't forget yes what it can do for you yeah not what i did for him good morning church 
Uh, my name is Molly. I think most of you should know who I am by now. I'm the youth director. Um, so we've been talking a lot this morning about giving um, through our videos and that the Christmas season really is a time to be generous and, and give where we can. Um, so normally, as a church, you might remember that Christmas tree out in the foyer with all the little tags on it. That's something that we would normally do in the Christmas season, um, but this is a different year, as we know. Um, so we're doing something a little bit new. Um, Pastor Brian mentioned the Compassion Fund in that video, and that's really going to be the main way that we give this season. So from that fund, if you give to that fund, there's a couple different things that are going to happen from that fund. The first is that that's going to serve people in our church community who are in need, whether that be groceries, Christmas gifts, whatever they might need. So that's, and it's also an emergency fund that if someone in the church has an emergency expense that they can't cover, that's something that the church can help with. The second thing that fund is going to do is this year we're going to be donating to um, the Brown Bag Lunch Program in Calgary, um, which is a program that serves high-needs schools, typically, um, where there are lots of students who don't have food to eat at school. Um, I'm doing my practicum currently at Glenbrook Elementary, which is just in, close to the church here in the Glenbrook community, and I know a very high population of their students receive breakfast and lunch at school. And so this is a program that works with schools like Glenbrook to, to feed those kids. And so that's where we're going to allocate some of our funds this year. Um, so if you would like to give, just make sure that when you're giving to the Compassion Fund, you allocate that specifically to Compassion. So it's going to be, if you're giving um, in person, just write on your, like designate that to Compassion Fund. And if you're online, look for the Compassion Fund tab. Um, and yeah, that's a way that we can really serve our community this year. So thanks. Good morning, church. Uh, I've been asked to do the prayer for this morning, um, and uh, there's something that I had asked of God to show me, what do you want the church to hear this morning? And uh, so early this morning, I feel like he spoke to me, and he told me um, to, to speak to you and to pray with you about extravagant giving and generosity. Uh, so he gave me 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to set their hope on uncertainty of riches, but on God who, is, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share. So there's actually three defining characters um, that I found uh, that you might not think you, the amount that you give is large. However, the first uh, defining gift that I found, or defining characteristic that I found was extravagant giving will exceed what is expected. So think of Zacharias. And Zacharias was a tax collector who became wealthy stealing from others. When he met Jesus, it changed him to voluntarily repay back everything he had stolen. But not only that, the law asked him to pay back that plus 20%. But he paid back four times that amount. So no one expected him to pay anything back. So um, that's not all. He told Jesus he was going to give half of everything that he had to the poor. 
Now that's a conversion, right? Um, so that story is in Luke 19, 1 to 10, and you can look that up. Uh, the second, second characteristic is extravagant giving will exceed what is affordable. So the Macedonian believers were, were uh, poverty-stricken, actually. Um, but they supported the poor that were in Jerusalem, e even surprised Paul, actually. Um, so they gave what they couldn't afford. That's powerful. And that's in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. And then the third one is extravagant giving will exceed what is needed. So the Good Samaritan met the needs of the injured man, but, went, but he went beyond. He gave um, the innkeeper funds to take good care of the man's future needs while he recovered. And then he said, if it costs more, put it on my bill. And further to that, no matter what it costs, just please take care of him. And don't worry, I will pay the bill. That's pretty powerful, right? And that's in Luke 10, 30, 37. So let's not go with conventional wisdom this season, shall we? Let's go with God's wisdom. And will you ask him? Thanks. Will you bow your heads with me in reverence and pray to our King and our God? Father, you say we are all your children. Some are obedient and some are disobedient. I pray that you would help us to listen to your voice and give according to what you ask us to do. I pray that we would do it happily and not reluctantly, per 2 Corinthians 9-7. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. O Bethlehem, you are but a small Judean village, yet you will be the birthplace of the king who is alive from everlasting ages past. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. These will be his royal titles, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding peaceful government will never end, he will rule with perfect fairness and justice from the throne of his father, David. He will bring true justice and peace to all the nations of the world. This is going to happen because the Lord of heaven's armies has dedicated himself to it. The Lord himself will choose a sign. A child shall be born to a virgin, and she shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. But the Lord God says, See, I am placing a foundation stone in Zion, a firm, tested, precious cornerstone, that is safe to build on. He who believes need never run away again. He will be your safety, but Israel and Judah have refused his care and thereby stumbled against the rock of their salvation and lie fallen and crushed beneath it. He was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was lashed and we were healed.
Well, good morning, everybody. I just want to begin, uh, before I actually start the message that uh, the new series that the Lord has given me, uh, I want to thank all of you uh, just for your cooperation with everything that's been going on the last uh, eight months or so, uh, particularly with, you know, the COVID-19 restrictions. Um, people are sitting here in front of me today. Uh, you're distanced, uh, you're in your cohorts, you're wearing your masks, people are sanitizing, they're doing all the stuff. And people have wondered, you know, with the latest restrictions that uh, keep coming almost daily from the government, uh, they like, are, are we going to continue meeting in person? We are for the Sunday morning uh, service of worship. So we're going to continue because we've already been kind of exceeding even the restrictions that were laid down to us and the recommendations, the guidelines, we've been exceeding that already. And we're not anywhere near the one-third capacity that we're, that's being recommended. So anyway, we're just going to continue for now. We're going to continue live streaming and all of that. But I wanted to thank you all. And uh, it, I, I so much appreciate you making it easier on us and on everybody else. So thank you. Father, I want to thank you for this message. Uh, this series that you've laid upon my heart, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, and uh, fan our hope into flame and uh, inspire us. In Jesus' name, amen. So some of you may remember uh, and probably have seen the movie The Bucket List uh, with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. Uh, it's a great movie. And it's about these two older men who find out that they're terminally ill. Well, the fact is, everybody's terminal. Uh, but they find out that they've been diagnosed as being terminally ill. And they have this conversation, and they decide, you know what we're going to do? Before we kick the bucket, we're going to go and do everything we've ever wanted to do, the things that we procrastinated on. And, and so they end up going on this adventure together and, you know, skydiving and all these things that we think about but never get to. And so that's why the movie was called The Bucket List, the things you want to do before you kick the bucket. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What's on your bucket list? What's on, do you have, how many of you have a bucket list that are here today? Okay. Oh, ooh. Oh, yeah, one, okay, uh, all right. Now, those watching, uh, what's on your bucket list? Um, even if you were to do, let's, okay, suppose you have a bucket list. Suppose you were to accomplish everything on your bucket list. Would that then mean that your life was worth living? Would you be able to then say, you know what, I've checked all the boxes on my bucket list I'm ready to die. I can die in peace. What's on your bucket list? Is it worthwhile? Um, I do have a kind of a bucket list. I've not written any of this down. Um, to be honest, you know, I don't have a, a big yen to go traveling all over the world. I mean, I enjoy it when I go, and we've done a fair bit of traveling. Uh, but one of the things that I'd like to do that's on my bucket list, I think once I retire, I'd like to do more with my music. I've actually thought I want to play in a band again, you know, and uh, play in church regularly, be like a regular part of the worship team if people don't think I'm too old for that. Um, uh, something else, and you'll probably chuckle at this, I'd like to learn how to ride a horse. And I mean, really ride. I mean, I want to get into like a full stride and just go and not get saddle sores and that sort of thing. And I actually started, uh, we have a friend who actually knows how to do that. And uh, the problem is she was willing to teach friend of my wife's, she was willing to teach me, but the problem is, is to get the horse and pay for that is really expensive. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that right now. 
Uh, but here's something else I'd like to do. I'd like to plant another church or be a part of starting another church, a church where there is no church. I would love to be a part of that, and I've announced that to a number of people. I would also like to help and encourage younger pastors um, and church leaders. Just, just Once I retire, I'd like to be able to do that sort of thing. Um, and so um, two of my favorite Bible characters are Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Now, Jesus, of course, he's everybody's favorite Bible character. You know that all of human history, AD or BC and AD, is all centered around, you know, he's the linchpin. Like he, everything's centered around the birth of Jesus. Um, but here's what Jesus said. I want to ask you, what was on his bucket list? One thing. And he says this in John chapter 4, verse 34. He said, my food he said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He had one thing, and that was to do the Father's will. I mentioned to you that my other favorite person in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. King David comes in there a little bit after that, too. But the Apostle Paul, and here's what's interesting. The Apostle Paul's hero was Jesus. He, he just couldn't get enough of Jesus Christ. And for the Apostle Paul, here's what he said. Basically, he said, whether I live or die, I just want to know that Christ is exalted in my body. That's all that matters, that he's exalted in my body through my words, through my deeds. He said, for me to live as Christ, in Philippians chapter 3, he said, I want to know him. And I want to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He said, whatever was to my profit in life. Whatever I had gained in life, I consider it all loss compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He said, I, would, I, would, I am glad to lose everything as long as I can gain Christ. And so for Jesus, it was about doing the will of the Father. That was his bucket list item. For Paul, it was about Christ being exalted through his life and for him to know Christ. And so... I think about that a lot. I've memorized those passages, okay? And the reason I have is I want to be that kind of a man where I've got one big item on my bucket list, and that's Jesus, to know him. So how high does Jesus rank on your bucket list? Is he at the top? Is he in the middle? Is he at the bottom? Is he even on there at all? Today we're celebrating the first Sunday of Advent, and earlier in the service, uh, Stephen and Laurel Pridgen and their children came and lit the first of the Advent candles. And this is the time of year when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And this is a Christmas really for, I guess, all of us probably here today, like no other. And so I, wanna, I want us to turn our attention to a passage in the Bible. It's one of the passages we read at this time of year. Luke chapter 2, uh, where we read about the birth of the Messiah, Jesus. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 25. 
And I want to thank Madison, uh, one of our, the children in our church, for reading that passage for us. But here it, it talks about a man called Simeon. And I want you to notice how it describes this man. It says that he was righteous, he was devout, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, Simeon was an ordinary citizen of Israel. He was an ordinary person. There was really nothing remarkable about Simeon except for one notable feature that it mentions in this passage. It says the Holy Spirit was on him. And notice in this passage the references to the Holy Spirit. And we'll find that also in the next verse coming up in, uh, shortly, verse 27. It tells us that the Holy Spirit was on him, that he heard a message from the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he died. And then later on, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit led him to the temple where he would actually be able to hold the baby Jesus in his arms. Simeon was a man of God. And he was kind of an outlier in his time because even in Israel, God's own you know, chosen people, a lot of people were not walking faithfully with God. Simeon did. And so that is a reminder that even in the darkest times, even when God's people are living in what we would call apostasy, where we've backslidden and the church is not what it should be, and, you know, we might shake our heads and kind of go like, what's wrong with us even in the darkest times, God always has his devout followers. There's always some. You know, some of the great revivals have happened unexpectedly in the darkest times in human history. So folks, don't lose hope. Um, and even in our darkest hours, this pandemic uh, boy, you know, they, they have this term now called COVID fatigue. And, and, you know, I think about that. This has been a difficult time for people globally. We need hope. We need to experience joy once again. But God, even in this dark time, has not abandoned us. If we will turn to him and seek him, so if there was ever a time when we need to let our light shine, I noticed on that announcement video that uh, Megan, uh, our admin assistant, and uh, Trent McDowell, uh, who is our ministry consultant, they put that together for us. Did you notice when they were, they used the, the acronym GLOW, and I actually wrote it down, G-L-O-W, go light our world. Would you do that? Some people want to curse the darkness. Don't do that. Light a candle. Light a candle and let your little light shine in this world. COVID-19 has been um, an intrusion on our lives, on our plans. It's been painful, a painful interruption. For a lot of people, this is going to be their first Christmas without a loved one. And I'm thinking of people right now, and so are you. And some of them have lost people due to COVID all over this world. It's going to be a hard time for people, but we can shine a light. Um, and so we need to remember, 
at times like this, our greatest hope is not in this world. Our greatest hope is not in the politicians that we elect. Our greatest hope is not even in how well the stock market does or the economy or any of that. Because all of that is uncertain. I appreciated Penny's prayer as well and how she just reminded us of how important it is to be generous at a time like this. And so this season of Advent is, needs to be a reminder to us that Jesus, when he came into the world, when he was birthed, you know that, you know the Hallmark cards, you know, they, they give that manger scene, it all seems so little kind of quaint and warm and fuzzy. There's, you know, nice lighting in the stable. You know, they had lighting kind of like this, didn't they? You know, uh, they must have had a lighting crew in there. And, and uh, you know, the cattle were lowing and there was a little baby Jesus and they're all kneeling and it all looks so quaint, doesn't it? But you know what? He came into a world that was enshrouded in darkness. Uh, there, there was just a lot of bad stuff that was going on in the world. And that's the kind of world that we're in right now. And we need him now as they did then. So Simeon understood that. And it tells us in verse 25 that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, that's kind of an interesting saying, the, saying, the consolation of Israel. Consolation means comfort. If you console somebody, you're comforting them. And so the fact is, the history of, of, of God's people, Israel, um, was kind of checkered. Uh, they had some glory days uh, in the time of King David, the King Solomon, and so on. But boy, I tell you, for much of their history, um, they were in exile, and it was their own fault. They were exiled to um, other lands, foreign lands, and they also were um, uh, under the thumb of their oppressors. They were living in subjugation to other nations. And when Jesus was born, they were under Roman occupation. And a lot of the Jewish people resented that. And they actually, so in the Old Testament, there's all these prophecies about the Messiah coming, you know, and, and you can read them. Um, and for people have these different theories about um, the Messiah, what he was going to do, what he's going to be like, and, and what he was going to accomplish. And for a lot of people, the Messiah was simply a political figure. He was going to come and establish his kingdom on earth, and he was going to put the boots to Rome, and he was basically going to evict them, and then the land would be theirs again. Um, and that was the idea that, that, that people had. But Isaiah, not Isaiah, Simeon knew better. Simeon did not politicize Jesus. You know what? In our day, right now, Christians are politicizing Jesus. And we got to stop doing that. We all have things we believe in. And we, we, we choose to elect people that we think will support the things we believe in, but we need to be careful here. And we need to read the Gospel of Luke to figure this out. Simeon knew. You know, some of Jesus' own disciples, Judas betrayed him. He thought he was doing the right thing, actually. He didn't mean for him to die on the cross, but, you know, he, he was political. And I'll tell you, folks, there's a danger there, and I want to warn us. Um, and so, Simeon understood that we were waiting for a savior, not a political savior, but someone who would save us from ourselves, from our sins, 
Look around at how people are treating each other in our world today. When somebody attacks an employee at a Walmart store because they said you need to wear a mask. Jesus said, treat others the way you want to be treated. Love one another. And that begins with the church. Simeon understood that it wasn't just that he came to, as a, a political figure, but he came to save us from our sins, from ourselves. And so it, this is what it says. Look at verse, verses 27 and 28. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple. Now, I'm not sure that Simeon understood why he was to go into the temple. But you know what? When the Holy Spirit leads you, you don't always know why he's telling you to go there. You don't need to know. You'll find out when you get there. He goes into the temple and he spots, I guess, Mary and Joseph. And he sees the baby and the Holy Spirit is leading him. Have you ever been led by the Spirit in that way? Where you just feel led and you don't always know why. This was a divine appointment. So the same Holy Spirit who told Simeon, you will set your eyes on the Messiah before you die. Simeon took comfort in that. That was his bucket list right there. Before I go, I want to see the Messiah. And the same Holy Spirit who gave the promise, fulfilled the promise, and led him to the baby, Jesus. And that's how God works. He makes the promise, and he does the fulfillment. And so he takes the baby Jesus into his arms, it says, and he begins to prophesy. So what you're reading in this prayer, verses 29 uh, to 33, this is a prophecy. Prophecy is when you speak forth words of God. He's a sovereign Lord. <laughs> As you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. My bucket list, my bucket's full. It's full. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the sight of all nations. Um, Jesus, for Simeon, Jesus embodied his deepest longings, his hopes, his dreams, and so he worshipped him. I remember the 2008 presidential election in the United States. Now, whatever you think about Donald Trump and Barack Obama doesn't matter this morning. We all have opinions, but I do remember this. I remember when Barack Obama was elected president, I think it was November, I forget, November 8th, 2008, something like that, and there was that whole economic meltdown thing that happened, and he was running against John McCain. Obama was elected. He was from Chicago, and Grant Park in Chicago, people had gathered, ordinary citizens, uh, celebrities, you know, all this. And when it was announced that he would be the next U.S. president, it was interesting to watch. You couldn't help but notice people were crying. And here's why they cried, because for those who supported his election and voted for him, um, he symbolized their deepest longings and their hopes and dreams. He symbolized that. And you know, sometimes he would <laughs> do one of these celebrity appearances. He would be like in New York or something, and he'd show up at a restaurant, and people would lose their minds, you know, because, oh, he's here. It was like that for Simeon. For Simeon, Jesus embodied that. And so just to have the privilege of setting his eyes on Jesus was, was amazing. 
And so for him, it was like he was saying, I no longer have anything that holds me in this world. My bucket is full. And so he saw Jesus as the Savior, not from their political oppressors, but the Savior from our sins, the consequences of our sins. He saved us. He came to save us from ourselves and from the clutches of Satan and the powers of darkness in our world. Um, and today, we know we're awaiting Jesus again for the second coming, for his return. And just as in Simeon's day, people had, you know, they had their theories about the Messiah. We got our theories today. We got our eschatology. We've got, oh yeah, this is how it's going to happen, and it's, here's, the, here's the chronology, and here's the timeline, and this person was elected, I think they're the Antichrist, and this is what the beast is, and this is 666 and all this. And I'm going, you know what? Folks, you don't need to know all that. We're missing the point of prophecy, and we're missing the point of the book of Revelation when we get into all that chronology and and all those theories, because they had them all back then, and biblical scholars had all their theories back then, and guess what? Most of them were wrong. Simeon, this ordinary man who's filled with the Spirit, who had the Spirit on him, he got it. And sometimes we don't see the forest for the trees. The only thing that mattered for Simeon was the Messiah has come, and he's going to save us from our worst enemy, ourselves. Um, and so, this is what he says. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. He's praying to God, which you have prayed, prepared for in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And what's interesting, I won't go into all, all of what that means, but you notice he talks about the Gentiles and Israel. Israel that the nation of Israel are the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jewish people. But he also mentions here that this baby that he was holding in his arms would be the, a light for the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You know, if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness again. And this is what Simeon understood when he held this baby. That the Messiah came for all people everywhere. Doesn't matter what your skin color is, your gender, your beliefs, um, your culture, your geography, it didn't matter. So under the influence of the Holy Spirit who led him to the temple that day, he understood what the Jewish scholars could not understand. And that reminds me, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 26 to 27, Jesus lifts up his hands, he looks up to heaven, and he prays to the Father, and he says, Father, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to little children. Those who have childlike faith get it. Those of us who think we're so smart, we often miss it. Be a child before God. 
come before him with childlike faith, like Simeon did. So in verse 33, it says, as Simeon's, as Simeon's holding this child and he's prophesying over the baby, it tells us that the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then, right away, Simeon's prophecy takes a dark turn and says, this child is destined to call the falling, cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that is spoken against. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. He knew that in that very sweet moment that there was something sinister that was going to happen. He saw ahead because it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. When you look at the manger scene, and many of you know this, where Jesus was laid in that feeding, in that feeding trough in that stable, the shadow of the cross falls across that manger scene, and you'll see an image here. And not literally, I don't think it did, but we need to think of it that way. You cannot separate his birth from his crucifixion. And he was saying, Jesus will be a controversial figure. He will be vilified. He will be rejected by the very people that he came to save. And he will be crucified. And he was. And he said to Mary, a sword will pierce your soul. Here she was on that day that he was crucified at the cross and saw her son cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I'm wondering this morning if you would let that same sword pierce your soul. It tells us that when Peter preached his first sermon on the day of Pentecost, it says they were cut to the heart. That's what it says. The word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Notice what it says in this passage. Many, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. That's what he does. And when you feel convicted of something, when you feel like, oh, I'm guilty, I need to, then that is that sword piercing your heart. When you go, I crucified him. My sins were nails in his cross. Let it pierce your heart as well as it pierced Mary's heart. And so God chose Simeon, not arbitrarily, but God chose Simeon for that moment because he was a man of God and the Spirit was on him. He was listening. You know his name, Simeon? It comes from, um, it actually comes from the Hebrew word Shema, which means one who listens. He was listening. Are you listening? Am I listening? So what I want us to do in closing, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. I want to just say as we're praying, you only need one thing on your bucket list, one main thing on your bucket list, and that is Jesus. If you're a Christian, Jesus said, seek first 
He said this about God, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Everything else on your bucket list comes under that. If you have Jesus, he will give you the desires of your heart. And if your desires are wrong, he'll fix those too. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Here's the action. Would you put Jesus at the top of your bucket list right now and say, Lord, forgive me because I've had this bucket list. I've had some things I want to do before I die. I didn't even think about you. you. You weren't at the top. And so, Lord, I want you to help me to help to have you be my center of gravity, my north star, my be-all and end-all. Would you be willing to be the kind of person like Simeon that God can speak to and you will be listening and you will hear his voice? And would you be willing to glow, G-L-O-W, go light our world? Would you be willing to be a light in this time of darkness? Would you do that? Would you just right now say, Lord, I want you to show me right now, today, tomorrow, how I can be a light in this world that is engulfed in darkness. Show me, Father. Show me who you're sending me to. So, Father, I want to thank you today for Simeon and for this wonderful story that we can so easily bypass. May we be like Simeon. May we be people who hear, who listen. And may our buckets be full because we have the one item on that list that is most essential and that Jesus is at the top of that list. May we celebrate him during this season of Advent. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week.